Good evening, Patriots. And it's still Friday, April or May 6th, 2022 on the West Coast and the East Coast. You've now entered into the weekend. So lots going on, as always, and lots of lunacy, which you're going to hear about tonight. We need a lot of prayers for this nation, I'm telling you. Before we begin, remember to take care of your health and your sleep in particular, and you'll do that with great sleep products. You don't need any drugs. You just need great sleep products like sheets and pillows and slippers and all the things, mattresses, mattress toppers, all those things that make a great night's sleep. And the best place to get those is MyPillow.com. And right now, Mike Lindell, America's great CEO, is offering a buy one, get one free special with MyPillow products. And you can find those at MyPillow.com forward slash Bards and the Bards Nation's landing page where you'll find all sorts of great, amazing savings on the MyPillow two-for-one or buy-one-get-one-free, excuse me, buy-one-get-one-free special. And it's worth your time to check it out. You've got MyPillows out there, buy-one-get-one-free. You have bed sheets, buy-one-get-one-free. Six-piece towel sets, buy-one-get-one-free. Plus all the amazing savings you already have, like Giza Dream Sheets for 60% off and My Slippers for 50% off. And my pillow doggy beds, fifty percent off. I mean, incredible savings, and all of that with your promo code Bards B A R D S. So head on over to mypillow.com and check it out. Use your promo code Bards. You can go mypillow.com forward slash Bards and get our landing page and see all the feature specials. You can also use the promo code anywhere on Frank's Speech site, the My Pillow site, and the My Store site. And if you want to speak to a Patriot pillow counselor, a real live breathing person, give him a call at 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. Use the promo code again, Bards. All these connections and links are below the podcast. Boy, do I have some crazy stuff for you tonight. This world is really insane. So let's begin, first of all, with, oh my goodness, where do we begin I, I think this one just sums up what I'm going to be ready to play is eight seconds of undescribable. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Here we go. I'm a pregnant trans man, and I'm still a trans man, not a woman, even if I have a uterus. I'm still a trans man. <laughs> I'm really trying to. They're, oh, no, forget it. I'm not going to be kind. What the hell is that? What is that? I'm a pregnant trans man. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, you know, if I was in the 60s, I could I could give this an excuse. I'd say, wow, somebody just took some heavy loads of LSD or some acid, man. They're like on a trip, dude. Not now. <laughs> this is supposed to be the new normal. Oh, but I got another one for you. This is 58 seconds. This one, just listen to the way this thing talks. I mean, it's like, man, you've got brain damage. Oh, just listen. My kids from last year are now in fifth grade, and they come visit me almost every day after school. And a lot of them are queer because I am queer. And so, and they figured it out. And so I've become their safe space. And today, they found my guess who. And they started playing guess who, but they didn't play it the normal way. How did they play it? They used things like, this person looks like a lesbian baddie who's going to come over and make you dinner. Well, 
which one of these characters is gonna be is a lesbian baddie that's gonna move over and make you dinner? Oh, Olivia is? Oh great. Um, which character just looks gay? Well, meet Mike. Um, these kids, I'm so happy that they are figuring out who they are and that they're happy with who they are and that they found a safe place. But man, I could never imagine being in fifth grade saying these things out loud, even though I know they're all, all okay. I grew up super religious where nothing was okay. And so seeing this happen, I'm like, ah! But I'm always like, yay! But ah! I think someone, like, does anyone just want to say Ridlin? <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that Vax damage is probably on the table here. Just saying. Just just so I'm saying. This is a teacher. What the heck, man? And if you're giving your kids in school, I just am trying to make the point that they're subject to being exposed to this. My goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, like, that's not caffeine, by the way. Just saying. That'd make an easy explanation. But don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because their queen is here to tell you how it is. This is, a, I think, a right now crisis for a lot of women in this country. What do we do for them right now? Yes, I think we have. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to be, uh, have a clarity in what this draft decision means so that the final decision doesn't go that far. The Chief Justice has said this is, this is authentic, but it is not final. I don't mm -hmm. know if you use the word authentic. It's right. real, but not final. So, uh, again, the, uh, Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. With it, you can yeah. accomplish almost anything. Without it, nothing. And women just have to weigh in. I don't yeah. think there's a good outcome here, but I think there's a better outcome than what we have seen in the first draft, which is radical. It just mm -hmm. dispenses with precedent, even though uh, some of these candidates for when they were candidates uh, for uh, confirmation said they support it as, mm -hmm. as was you've seen over and over again. They mm -hmm. supported precedent and what it means, especially precedent that has repeatedly uh, been reinforced. But again, you are completely right. This cannot wait. That's why right now, instead of people going off on what, um, the, what the Republicans would like us to talk about, the leak. No, we're talking about your life, the wife of women in our country, and how we have, a, again, a calibration of all of this in Roe v. Wade and how we must have it be enshrined as the law of the land. They will make charges about it, and we have to stay very clear, very focused about what it is and what it means in people's lives. This is a severe danger to women. It's a severe danger to the Constitution of the United States, and it's a severe danger to other rights of privacy that are in the Constitution. But again, it's the here and now, the here and now, and the focus that we must have. In other words, with that little bit of sleight of hand, don't look at the leak and question the entire undoing of the trust in the court system. It's more important that we use sentiment and pressure the justices to moderate their decision, which was a decision made on the constitutional grounds. And it's don't pay attention to the leak because we know that's illegal. And that's what the Republicans want you to look at. But don't do that, please. Just pay attention to what's at stake here. Your health, which I'm not really sure... I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an OBGYN, but I'm only going to say this from what I do know, 
getting an abortion isn't supposed to be a positive benefit to women's health. I, I really don't follow that line, but some believe it. And that's what we deal with. This is like zombie apocalypse we're in right now of the worst kind because these these zombies don't really bite. They just speak words and spit. And, and they say things that are supposed to be intelligible, but they're not. It's crazy. But we are also dealing with a, a world right now that dudes, this has decided that we, as the people, no longer have an ability to think for ourselves. Rand Paul gave his opinion on that today. I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation? You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. They always do. They always have. That's what they do best. They lie. I don't know if you know this, but it's kind of interesting when we get into the actual definition of what government means. Government, from the Latin verb gubermare, gubermare, or I guess it's gubernare, to govern, to control, and the Latin noun mens, mentis, means mind. In other words, government means mind control. There you go. They have to lie by nature. That's that's what they do. It is godless by by definition. It has to lie. Now, in as we kind of follow this down, then you can be assured that there are some things happening at least. And, and this is a lot of what we're seeing is the disintegration of the federal power. And it's good to see this because the only way this nation is going to survive is if power goes back to the states and ultimately back to the county level. We're going to have to neuter the government. And so it is encouraging at those times when we start to hear of responses to the government, at least some actions by some states. We did hear already that there's about 30 states that have already set up laws in place that when Roe v. Wade is knocked down, it will automatically trigger to make abortion illegal. Good. Um, And then we have, I think it was Alabama today that voted to make abortion a criminal offense. So some states are getting pretty hardcore about it, and it's as it should be. But it's also a states' rights issue. It is definitely not. The one thing that's been missing about this whole abortion thing is that is what I just said. 30 states have already voted to make it illegal. They don't want you to look at that. They're going to keep telling you the statistics that 62% or whatever it is of American public want abortion. My bet is that most of those statistics are taken from places like Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, and New York, which are all predominantly gender-confused cultures anyway. So that kind of give you a perspective of what's really going on. But Tucker had a pretty interesting interview tonight. 
on this counter lawsuit that's coming from the states, which is good to hear. So I'm going to play that. Two minutes, 36 seconds. Nina Jankowitz, we just told you, the head of the Ministry of Truth. Already she's being sued, by the way. The states of Missouri and Louisiana have just filed a lawsuit against the administration, including officials like Jankowitz, for colluding with big tech to censor speech, which they are doing. The Biden administration does it in public. They've repeatedly called on Facebook, Twitter, other platforms to censor opinions that are critical of them. Eric Schmidt is the attorney general of Missouri. He's the top law enforcement in that state. He's joined this suit. He joins us tonight. Mr. Attorney General, thanks so much for coming on. Tell us why you're suing. Well, look, we're taking on we're fighting back against the two of the most powerful and corrupt institutions that are out there, big government and big tech, for colluding, yeah. working together to suppress speech. And they do it in a couple different ways, Tucker. They hold over these special protections like Section 230 protections unless they censor more. They also have been very outspoken. Jin Psaki's talked about how they're flagging posts now in July of last year, flagging posts for Facebook as disinformation. So they're working directly with them. We know that. And then now this newest Orwellian chapter, this dystopian chapter of the Ministry of Truth. I mean, you have Mary Poppins in charge of this thing, I guess, now. And that would be like putting, by the way, Corella DeVille in charge of uh, managing an animal shelter. It's a total disaster, okay? These folks are nuts, each, that they don't like calling it disinformation, misinformation. So we're filing a lawsuit. And Tucker, you talk about this all the time. The reality is, Individuals have a right to speak their mind. This is at the core of the American experiment, that this is a God-given right. Government's yeah. there to protect those rights, not to tell you what you can say and when you can say it. So this lawsuit, it's a landmark lawsuit. We're going directly after the collusion. Uh, they're working together to suppress speech, and we're fighting back. So just as quick as a constitutional matter, government cannot encourage censorship. That's a direct, I mean, we know that through the Supreme Court, many rulings over years, that's a violation of the First Amendment, correct? Yep, that's exactly right. And what we're arguing in this case, Tucker, is that they're outsourcing that. The government is outsourcing the censorship to their big tech partners. They're flagging it. And by the way, they're terrified. When we get into discovery here and find out how Jen Psaki and Fauci and you know Mary Poppins here are working with the big tech partners, what they're asking, what they're telling them to take down, we know it's the laptop from hell. We know it's the origins of COVID. We know it's the uh, you know ineffectiveness of masks. We know all of these things that they've been working with them on, and this lawsuit will help bring those to light and expose it, and that's why it's an important case. Mr. Attorney General, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Good luck. Thank you. So, of course, they're keeping everybody's eyes off of some very critical issues, one of them being the Pfizer dump. And there is an article floating around. I cannot validate it. Okay, I did get it from a couple different pieces, people, but I don't know the source because it's only one place I found it. But apparently there was an article floating around that says the vice president in Pfizer was arrested by the FBI. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you. And I'm always very cautious on these things because it's hard to say. But here's the, they always want you to look here and not there. It's very critical to how they work. They're not want, wanting you to pay attention to the 80,000 pages of Pfizer docs that came out. That's why this issue with the um, Roe versus Wade, R.V. Wade, is such a big deal because they've got the entire left frothing at the mouth, which has its other benefit, which is for everybody to witness how much they froth at the mouth for the right to murder. And that's really at the core of who they are. If we take a look at behaviors and we overlay behaviors with a reaction to Roe v. Wade and we start to see that at the core, they have accepted murder as a murder and winning at any cost, which is violence as a core value. 
and that's the people in the minority that are trying to seize control of the nation. That's what we're dealing with. That's where disinfo comes in because with disinformation, they can start to spin narratives and tell you things that are not true, that are supposed to be true. It's interesting to notice that like Tulsi Gabbard has come out against this about the ministry of truth. And let us not forget about Tulsi Gabbard. And I don't know how I'm really trying to figure out why it is that the right and the, the centrist kind of the independents and the right are sucking into these traps. I haven't figured this out yet, but it's stunning to me. And I think part of it is that people are so desperate to see leadership and not realizing that we have the power and they really don't understand or appreciate the term. We, the people, but we've got Tulsi Gabbard who's come out and against this ministry of truth, kind of acting like the big voice you know, every every communist regime has a ministry of truth, except that Kulsi Gabbard is part of the Young Leadership Program in the World Economic Forum. She's an up and coming. And if if you remember, almost two years ago, I did a deep dive on Tulsi Gabbard. And her she's been in her second husband. Her first husband was about 14 years old and disappeared, and she's part of a cult. And the father of her first husband is was a head of the of a cult in the Philippines. So you know, what can I say? These people are all part of the same clan. They're all the same faces. And what they're doing right now is changing things up. Dan Crenshaw is part of the group of the new world economic forum leaders. I mean, you know, and he's doing his one eye thing. I'm not even sure that one eye thing's real. So this is all WEF stuff. And they're, what you're seeing is this confusion. And I'm convinced of what they're doing right now is intentionally crushing everything from both sides. They own both sides of the narrative. And they're getting ready to squeeze play everybody into this new world, which is going to be this great new promise of a world of technology. And this great new promise of technology is going to be the big hook that gets everybody. It's going to be this, you know, we're going to live in the cities. We're going to have food production in the cities. We're going to move everybody into where it's safe. We're going to be able to control the the whole issue of pandemics. We're going to have everybody injected. We're going to live on this cashless society. So it'll be real easy. You're going to get a UBI. Austin, Texas just launched a UBI. All of this is the demise of free will. And when we get to the demise of free will, we're literally getting to what? We're getting to the demise of liberty, the God-given right that was given to us, right? Here's something to keep your eyes on. This is kind of important. This has to do with the coming, well, the coming change. Financial story time. If you care about economics, if you care about where your money's headed, you might want to pay attention. Berkshire Hathaway, not too long ago, just had their annual meeting. A bunch of old guys like, oh, I don't know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger hang out there and they're incredibly old and incredibly wealthy. Now, let's take the fact that they hate Bitcoin and throw it out the window because that's just stupid and they're just old and don't get it. But... They have been on the leading edge of almost every great financial decision over the last 50 plus years. So you kind of need to pay attention when they say they are currently keeping a whole bunch of cash on hand as it relates to their investments. Why? Just in case the economy and I quote stops. If two of the wealthiest, most influential people in the financial world are worried about the economy stopping, you might want to get prepared. Prepping doesn't have to be a bunker in your backyard. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, the, the, when you hear that sort of terminology, the entire economy may stop. Consider that. There's a number of things that could trigger that.
But at some point in time, there's a major, they're using the term now hard reset more. And you're seeing that in terms surface up. They had the, the great reset that is now morphed into the hard reset. And a lot of this has to do with the loss of control of the narrative. And they're accelerating their plan, which they really suck at accelerating their plans. But the, the hard reset is becoming the new term. So a hard reset would suggest a complete economic shutdown and stop. I don't, don't mean, I should say it this way. I, I don't want to, you to, I don't want people to lose hope. But I, because I think that we have enormous amount of hope that sits within us. God gave us the power and gave us everything we needed to overcome this evil, and we've been given the dominion to do so. My big issue is that so many people are still worshiping the state to fix things, and the state takes many forms. There's still so much emphasis being placed on President Trump fixing things. If I was Trump and people were worshiping me that much, I'd do everything I could to not do it. I'm not Trump. But my point is it's we're missing the point of this in this process. We are the power of change. And I think we always have been. And I think that when we look at the dominion that's been given to us, the, the power that's been given to us in John or Luke ten nineteen, behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. That doesn't come from just a casual I'm going to do some prayers and that's it. That's a that's an intimate and very deep walk with Father. And it gets into the place where Paul was at and where Peter was at. And it gets into the true essence of what Christ was. And those, that is red letter language. It's very specific. It's doesn't, this isn't out of context and it doesn't, as red letter language, it's not a metaphor. So what is that in us? And part of that is us truly being able to assume the powers that God gave us, which the most powerful tool God gave us is prayer. But prayer should not be a couple of things, in my opinion, because I think what prayer has been reduced to is some form of I am not worthy. So it's a constant pleading for forgiveness. Don't get me wrong. Repenting is important, but it's a repenting to stand back up. And then the other part of prayer always seems to circle around some crisis that we want God to fix or some credit card bill we need him to pay. That, that is not the way God works. God gives us things to steward. And we also have to go through the consequences of this because the mortal life that we're given is precious. And that makes, even, that makes the issue of abortion even worse like by a factor of a million because we're given an opportunity to live in the mortal flesh. And if it wasn't important, my interpretation, if it wasn't important to be in the mortal flesh, then Christ would not have taken a mortal form. But it was so important to connect with us and show us the value and the, the necessity to be strong, to endure the suffering. That was so important that Christ... God's son took the mortal form. He walked as human. We have to really, I think, process this. And a lot of this to me is a lot of the, the shortcomings of the way scripture has been taught. And 
and in that place, we have a body temple, but we are, it's part of our experience here on earth that is so precious as a mortal form. And yet we've been given in that mortal form, we have been given dominion over all evil. There's only one way that that would work, and that is if we are completely, deeply, and in an intimate and very living relationship with Jesus and with God. And through that, everything and every breath that we do is in a moment where we're focused on the moment. We're not worried about the morrows. We're not worried about the yesterdays. And we're living in such a vibrant relationship with God that sin actually doesn't become a problem. That's not something that's normal in this current world we're in because we're so indoctrinated with the idea that we are sinners, we are unworthy. And I just, I just reject that completely. I just think that's peddling guilt. And, and I don't buy it. There's a lot coming at us. This world is literally being shaken and it's being turned on its head. And there's going to be an enormous amount of temptation ahead of us. And that's not a question of if it's happening. It is happening already. They're gearing up with the marketing words. They're gearing up with the promises. Just follow what Elon Musk is doing. I mean, this is amazing to me, again, that this guy who's a complete globalist believes in injection in, in the bioweapon and vaccines. He believes in integration of the mind meld with AI. His squeeze Grimms, Grimes believes in the same thing. They're both out there on this sort of youthful marketing campaign to entice people to, you know, get excited about auto, automatic driving vehicles and getting excited about having a humanoid robot in your home. That's coming from Tesla. Getting excited about getting having a mega factory, a gigafactory, they call it, where there's hardly any employees anymore. Everything's being done by robotics. Getting excited about an artificial intelligence running the world and having AI provide you with all the stuff you need, these robotic armies that are now going to provide you with all the things you need. Oh, by the way, there's a safety switch on these new robots that had, that can't be programmed from a distance. They can only be programmed if you're on working on them, that it, if you save a safe word three times, it'll automatically stop. I mean, they're aware of the potential of AI running out of control. And they are also talking about singularity, which I'm convinced that singularity is all about us people being linked to the artificial intelligence, which is quite frankly, in my opinion, that's your true antichrist. Because once that evolves, it's going to link people to the system and you're not going to be able to escape it. Once you're bridged in, you're not getting unbridged. Once you get that brain chip in you, good luck. And they're experimenting right now with all sorts of ways of doing this. But the different things, the one thing that's critical about all of this is free will. And our ability to stand and to not waver and to walk with God. And, and, but they want you to make the choice to walk with them. And they're going to make life difficult if you don't. And why that had become so important is we haven't been tested yet. If you think the mask and the injection was a test, that's nothing but a dry run to see how many stupid people were out there and how many people were defiant. They already know exactly who the defiant ones are and they know exactly who the willful ones are. But at the same time, everybody's looking to Durham to save the day. They're looking at this big crisis with Roe versus Wade. 
you're not going to change Rose versus Wade, the outcome of that process. It's already determined, good or bad, however you look at it, it's already determined. 30 states have already made a decision. So basically what you're looking at at RV Wade is just a, a fight that's about ready to erupt as they pit people against each other for the simple right to kill children. That's just, it's, it's just the way they've programmed everybody. And until we pivot back as a nation and humble ourselves before God, we're going to be suffering through this for a long time. The biggest part in all of this is where do we fit? Where does, what's our role? And our role can't be compliance. And unfortunately, that is not a message I think is said enough. Our pulpits aren't strong anymore. They're not lit with fires, fires of passion, fires of righteousness. No, today they're, they're lit with the tools of compromise and the tools of acceptance and the tools of don't buck the system and the tools of get along with the government and obey. That's not how this country was formed at all. I mean, there's not even enough pulpits around this country that are burning it up over this Roe v. Wade thing. We should be, there should have never been an, an acceptance in any state on Roe v. Wade. But we've, you know, 70 million babies later, seriously, that's stunning in itself. 70 million babies and would have led to families. So we would have seen approximately 210 million people out of that. Can you imagine that? If you would have had two kids average per person, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but we would have at least seen a doubling of that number. So it's even, say, 150 million more people in this country that were removed because 70 million babies were terminated. This is incredible what we're dealing with here. And the level of corruption is vile because it's, it's subtle. So many people have accepted it as normal. And that's the one thing is like when we play these pieces up front and we've got now a trans lunatic over here trying to tell us that they're a woman, but they're a man. I mean, we have gotten to a point where this lunacy has become mainstreamed and though we laugh at it and, and I do, the sick part about it is and the sad part about it is that this is a nation that's actually, oh, we're already in their camp. We're already accepting this as a mainstream normal, but it's bizarre. It's crazy. It's the crazy part of, a, of the nation, but it's already accepted. We have a broken nation and morally we are we are broken, and there's a, a very vocal, though my minority size, they are vocal, that has managed to persuade what should be the faith rock of this nation, the Christian class. They've managed to overwrite what we're speaking. They've managed to push it down our throats, and they've managed to tell us basically that you can't speak about me because my rights are more important than your God. And I can guarantee you that's not the way God would see it. So it is important that we continue to be very vocal and very powerful about our prayers. Our prayers are, to me, a great deal more than just that daily punch the card. It's not about me 
in a way I see prayer, and I'm just going to share it with you, and you take it for what it's worth. But I'm going to be very level on this. I think God gave us a tool to have dominion over all things, and I think it centers on prayer. And I think that when we fall, really dig deep into prayer, we can bridge that space between the physical and the spiritual and unite with God in a deeper way than we've ever imagined. And we can walk that way at all times. And I think that's how Paul and Peter and many of the other disciples walked. That's what they truly understood. But I think in our time, prayer has become, like I said, it's the, the bill that needs to be paid. Oh, Father, help me pay this bill. It's the stress that we're in. Oh, Father, take this weight off my shoulders. Father, help me get through this time. Father, I need something. I need you to fix something for me. That's not what Luke 10, 19 says. Luke 10, 19 does not say, turn to Father and he will fix it all for you. It says this, that we have, that you, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. We have already been given the authority that we keep seeking and asking. And it's stunning to me. And because we keep asking for it, I'm, you know, you just have to wonder. It's like, no wonder we're where we're at because it's like, you know, what do you say if you're God? It's like, I gave you the authority. God, please give me the authority. I gave you the authority. God, please fix it for me. I gave you the authority. Think about yourself as a parent. And we are being told, you're telling a child to go take care of a problem or think of yourself as an employee, an employer to an employee, fix the problem. And every single time they bump into it, they're turning, well, can you fix it for me? There's no empowerment there. Somehow along this path, there's been a disempowering of us and it's the empowerment that God gave us, and yet we don't believe it. And it's not trying to reach on this. You know, if, if we were trying to do some sort of rewrite of Scripture, that'd be one thing. I'm reading words that are right here in red-letter language in one of the best translations available, which is NASB 1995. And it's very clear, and yet we don't grab for it. We don't reach for it. We don't ask Father to just point me. I'll take care of it. Just point me how you want me to go. But we turn to him to fix it all the time. And then we have these transloons out here trying to tell us that a man is a woman and a woman is a man and the queer is good and they're screwing kids up. And then we're like, oh, what do I do? It says what we do. It says we have authority over it. Fix it. And that's the stunning part. We have examples of again and again of how powerful we can be in prayer. And one of the most powerful things, one of those very powerful examples is Jericho. Forget the, I'm not going to the part of the story where the wall collapses. That's in itself extremely significant, but not for tonight. What did they do for seven days and seven and seven times on the seventh day? They walked around and they sang, and it was in hymn and prayer that they circled that city. And what happened? The walls fell. What they do in, with Gideon's army? They blew shofars and broke pots of light. What we see is these great powerful things are happening, 
around the the resting in in what frequency in in vibrations and light would be your energy sounds familiar doesn't it sounds like almost like whoops wait a minute i heard that once tesla Frequency, vibration, and energy. If you understood that, you'll understand the universe. And yet those examples are giving it to us right there. This is an individual exploration to find the way, because I don't think that there's a, it's not a codified process or path. It's a relationship with Father that empowers us in amazing ways. And for me, the first step in all of that, I've used it, and it's not said because of any in many different ways. When I talk about sowing seeds, one of the things that physically happens when you put your hand in the soil and you're working with plants and then you're connecting with God in a powerful way is we start to bridge that amazing space again. The physical with the spiritual. We have to work diligently in bridging the space to have God guide us, each of us, in the way that leads us to the true understanding of Luke 10, 19. And to me, this is my path. I said I'd share with you my path. I am constantly going over the stories of Gideon, the stories of Joshua, and the stories of David. And I'm looking at Paul and the, the things he was learning. I'm looking at Paul when he's in prison, and I'm, I'm asking, and I'm, I'm listening to these things. I'm looking at the words Jesus is telling us, and I'm, I'm looking at the comment, you can move a mountain from here to there. Is that a metaphor? Because if Jesus starts, and I go back to this so many times, if Jesus is speaking in metaphor, then what's that say about everything he says? In other words, if Jesus was speaking in metaphor, he's not telling us the truth of anything, which is not the case at all. So my encouragement right now in the midst of all of this crazy, because it seems at times like the machine is big. And if you sit and look at the train that's coming at us, it's a big one. It's a big old freight train. You're seeing billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, in fact, being invested across the world in this new Internet of Things concept of bringing people into the cities, of growing food in these localized areas, of trying to shut down farming, of trying to force people into this new way of life, trying to get everybody hooked on electric vehicles. That's the dumbest thing in the world, by the way. Just as a side note on that, I mean, electric vehicles are run by coal, natural gas, and other petroleum plants is primarily, and renewables is minimal. Why do I say that? Because electricity doesn't come out of the air, at least not the way we have it now. So it's just, all it is is just a layer they've added on top of the normal energy consumption to force people into a new industry, to buy a new car, to get a new car that's going to require you to have all sorts of other problems and associated with it so they can track everything you do, control everything you go. I mean, that's the whole idea of this new system is to force everybody into where every single person is controlled. And those are going to be decisions that we're going to have to make as far as what path we want to make. And I will tell you that many people will get to a point where they will not be able to withstand it. They'll say, this is too tough. I'm just going to go the other way. That narrow path is is going to be centered on that very powerful and deep and trusting relationship in God at a level that is like a super athlete. And I talked about this last night, but I want to keep hammering this home. I don't know anybody's background. 
But what I know is that when you train at that, it's not like running a mountain. Running a mountain is one thing. But when you're training on this kind of super athlete level, you're pushing at points beyond what your body tells you it can do. You're going to points of pain that you didn't even know existed. And then as you get past that level of pain, you're starting to find something incredible and unbelievable potential within your physical body. We have to be so committed to this path that nothing gets in our way, that we don't hesitate. And we have to get to such a place of determination that we're seeking this amazing understanding of what authority over the power of the enemy means. And we're going to push into that level in the trusting in Father and through our prayers and through our diligence in reaching in him and staying true to that path, even to the point of being super uncomfortable. That's where we're pursuing things. Every one of us has to do that, and nobody's perfect at it. But that's the reach and striving that we're trying to reach to because I truly believe that when we do that, We've seen it, 300 300 in Gideon's army dispelled thousands. God has told us where two or three are gathered. Imagine if we have thousands with the same commitment. We keep looking, we look at problems in this channel in particular. I look at problems regularly with actual things we can do, but there is a part of this change that is greater than anything we can describe. And it centers on our prayer and our deep and intimate relationship with Father. And that's that's almost like two become one type intimacy. And when that happens, the deeper we get into that, sin does not become a problem. And I think that's the challenge. So I do not believe we're unworthy. I think that we are, we do sin. But Christ died for our sins. And so what we have now is the challenge of trying to live into that level of what he's offered us. And God knew that we would make mistakes. And so it's that process of acknowledging that with an open heart, that we're going to stumble, we're going to make mistakes. And to come to him and to be forgiven for those mistakes, but then to rise back up because we're striving to be standing next to the throne. Not like I did the best I could. What the hell is that? Like you come up to the throne room and you're like, oh, I did the best I could. Uh, where do you want me to sit? Can I sit in the back at least? I mean, what what is that? When we are striving for such an incredible level and we're pushing ourselves to have faith and when we get to those points there's going to be points it's going to be difficult maybe it's a shortage of food maybe it's a shortage of money maybe it's a loss of something critical in your life I don't know but whatever that is when we start reaching higher and deeper and farther it's like we're let go we're released from all these material things What does a world look like when we no longer worry about whether we have a house or a car or or food and we're trusting in Father and we're walking like disciples on the face of this earth? We're not there yet, but we should all have to be prepared to be like that in our hearts because if we are that way, 
there's nothing these people can do. And not only that, but we are literally, in the literal sense, occupying the land and literally expanding the kingdom. So whatever the comforts are that we're surrounded with, each and every one of us, and I, because I go through this exercise every day, I told you I'd share you, share this with you, and I, I test myself. What is it in my life that I would have an issue getting rid of? And when I find that material thing that hooks me, I want to know why it's there, and I want to undo that hook, because I need to be in a place and confidence in my life that whatever I'm led to acquire or have, that it is as equally let go of as it is acquired. Because the only true walk that we have in our life is that deep and very intimate, unbelievably powerful and special relationship we have through Jesus to the Father. That's all that matters. And once we are there, my goodness, I mean, life gets a whole lot easier. Life gets a lot more joyous. But it's not the emotional swings of one day down, one day over, over happy. It's just like a steady walk in life where you're looking through in a truest sense of agape. Not, and I, I, I've even started to look at this and not even use the word love with this because agape is experiential at a different level. It's the connecting and the appreciation of everything at its highest order, at its highest level. So imagine now, as we kind of close tonight, I want you to imagine walking in a state of agape, confronting some of these violently spitting, angry people over abortion, and having such incredible place and presence in agape that you see to their heart and see to their wound and speak to them in the way that God leads in such a magnificent way that it literally breaks their anger and brings them to the place where they are humbled at the feet of God. You see, when we get there, that is authority over all the power of the enemy right there. And never once did we raise a sword of steel, but we waylaid the enemy with the sword of the Spirit while suited up in the greatest of armor God could give us using the most powerful thing that we've ever had. Words have the power of life and death. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled and seeking. And I just encourage all that want to hear this tonight to join me in this prayer, that we're seeking the deeper place of authority over all the power of the enemy. Father, this is it's rooted deep in prayer, and we know that. And we know that so there's so much in the idea of frequency and vibration and energy, however we translate those words biblically. But there's so much there, and it's so rich, and it's so not taught. We understand that we're imperfect and we will make mistakes. We will fall. We will stumble. We will sin and we will humble ourselves before you. But Father, we're, we're just so proud to have you as our father. And we know that you just have this everlasting love for us. You've shown us that in so many ways. You have absolved us of our sins through the most incredible act of selflessness ever, which is to sacrifice your son for us. 
And yet so many times we miss this message and we come to you pleading to help with some little thing, trying to get us fixed here or there, trying to solve a problem that we created. And we simply are not hearing your words, that we have authority over all the power of the enemy, that we have the power to walk on snakes and scorpions. And that in this walk, we're expected to be responsible and accountable and walk in this world with you, to share that experience with you, not alone, but together. So Father, however you wish to speak to each of us in our unique and beautiful way, we just pray that you will. Just nudge us, point us in the steps that open our eyes those deeper understanding of eyes of faith to start appreciating Luke 10, 19. A powerful passage that reminds us of what we are truly about to guide us in this world in such a way that not waylaid by this nonsense of fear and anxiety and all this noise that's around us, not waylaid by the positions of of title, not waylaid by the consumptions of material things, but to hear you in the purest sense in our heart and to begin that path as you would want us to be of royal blood, authority over all the power of the enemy, walking in the beautiful space as a connection through agape. Guide us, Father, in this path and this amazing and exciting journey. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So on this Mother's Day weekend eve, blessings to all of you that are mothers, blessings to all of you that are celebrating Mother's Day. Let us seek that amazing path that truly opens up that walk with God in a relationship of deep and powerful agape and commands and calls forth the words of Christ. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. This is an amazing time to be alive. And each one of us has such an amazing chance and opportunity, chance is a horrible word, opportunity that sits right there knocking at our door to reach into Father because he's just waiting to be invited in. Open that door, invite him to dinner. Build that most amazing relationship of intimacy. God is with us. He'll never, ever forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But just be energized by the fact that he has us here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. And what is that? To occupy the land, expand the kingdom, mission forward. Have a very happy Mother's Day weekend. I'll see you tomorrow evening for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you, and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could.
Where you are a safe place to hide from the rain.